Hello and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and betrayal. My name is Bob. And my name is Matt. And we're going to talk about video games. Uh, but first, I think we're going to talk about betrayal. Are we going to talk about betrayal right now? I thought that we had established that we weren't going to talk about betrayal right now. <laughs> this feels like an incredible betrayal of the conversation that we just had. We just had a conversation. We, sh- we said that we would table betrayal for later. Yeah, that's not on record, so I have no idea whether or not that happened. Fair enough. Um, Let's talk about Valve's betrayal of (laughs) the entire video game community. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, This is, is, of course, we're entering our news hour. Yes. Every episode, we spend a full hour uh, devoted just to the news. Yeah, gird yourself, because this is going to be a long one. So, Valve, they're a company that made a lot of video games that people really like. Uh, we are some of those people, I think. Rightfully so. Yes. The people rightfully like. Yeah. Seminal video games, especially in the first-person shooter genre. So, they made Half-Life, uh, and then they made Portal. And then, since then... Left 4 Dead, too. Fantastic. Uh, Team Fortress. Team Fortress. And, and then... Team Fortress, too. <laughs> yes. In fact, I'm seeing there's well, Left 4 Fortress Dead too. and then Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah, Team Fortress 2. There's it a lot seems, of twos. I'm counting seems, a lot of twos. It's almost as if Valve is very bad at threes because they even made two episodes for Half-Life 2. (laughs) Uh, So Valve has let down everyone basically systematically because they implied that the story that started in Half-Life 1 was continued in Half-Life 2. They implied that that was going to continue uh, and then they left everybody hanging for a decade (laughs) At this point, longer. The past decade of Valve's, like Valve's past decade has been like one continuous shrug, essentially. I don't know about that. that I mean, we had Portal 2 in there. When did Portal 2 come out? Was that 2011? 2010, 2011. 2010, so yeah, I guess seven. The past seven years has been a collective shrug from from Gabe. Well, in that time, they made Dota 2, uh, which they love twos. Uh, they didn't even make the first. They Dota. didn't make the, that, that's, that one. That's actually true of uh, Team Fortress as well. Um, was Team Fortress one a mod? Yeah. Okay. So they they love taking a mod and then making a sequel to a mod for a game they didn't originally make. Uh, so they made this game called Dota. You probably heard of it because apparently it's the best and biggest thing in the world. Uh, Dota stands for Defense of the Ancients. Um, we are not people who have played Dota, which is a MOBA. I don't even understand why the ancients need defending. Uh, my understanding is that there are towers and lanes and that if you play the game and you don't know what's going on, somebody on the internet will yell at you to stay in your lane. Uh, and my favorite part about playing video games is people on the internet yelling at me. So that seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, this sounds like driving in California. Mm, sick burn on California. Uh, so <laughs> somewhere in California... The governor feels betrayed, uh, as you, a former resident. Jerry Brown. Yeah. Talk some never, shit. Yeah. I mean, it's not his fault. Um, so, okay. What's a MOBA? Can you break down? Because I actually, this is something oh, that I man. have a lot of hard, I have a, a lot of hard time. You had a lot of hard time with it. Well, you know, it's because you had committed that crime and they made you do a lot of hard time, hard time. in MOBA jail. <laughs> um, I actually don't know what MOBA stands for. What does it stand for? Multiple... Multiple. Multiplayer Online Battle Arena. Okay. That is what it stands for. Jeez, I didn't even know I knew that. So, a MOBA is a type of game. They're based on these mods, the first of which was Dota. There are other games. League of Legends is one of these. That's made by Riot? It is. And then there's Heroes of the Storm, which is the Blizzard, is Blizzard? variant. Okay. Yeah. So, they're games where you control characters in the way you would in an RTS like Warcraft or Starcraft. Exactly. Because this was originally craft. a Warcraft mod. Oh. You click around on the map and you direct a character around and fight against another team. It's very organized and sport like uh, because it's all played on a single map, which has three lanes. And your goal is basically to destroy the other person's base. Um, and by going up and down these three lanes, you can earn experience for your characters by killing ambient creatures that live in the area, which are called creeps. Um, so, and those are computer controlled. They are, yeah. So, is there a resource management like you might have in something like uh, Age of Empires? You're not building uh, bases or anything like that, but you are <laughs> at certain points, I believe, buying items for your character. So there is some level of micromanagement on your part of. Uh, what your character has at any any given point. These games are extremely popular. um, And every year, Valve holds an event called the International, which is, as it 
implies an international competition between the best Dota teams in the world, uh, where everybody comes and they play Dota against one another. The prize pool this year is more than $23 million, I believe. So that many quote unquote real sporting events have prize pools that pale in comparison to the prize pool of the international. And Valve took this opportunity to unveil their newest game. And it's important to note for those of you who don't really follow this, that people have been waiting for Valve to announce Half-Life 3 for more than a decade. And in a little bit less than a decade, they've been waiting for people for Valve to announce the like Left 4 Dead 3 would probably be acceptable. Honestly, Team Fortress 3. At this point, I just want AKA Valve Overwatch. to admit that they just make Dota and aren't into other things. Yeah. And they and sell, you know, Counter-Strike gun skins. They sell skins for all these things. This, That's how they like make their money. weird gambling ring. I do not understand. There are cards in Steam that I receive. I don't get what that's you for. You could trade those. There's like weird stuff going There's on. There's a lot going on. It's, yeah. So, anyway. Valve took this opportunity this to announce their new game. It's called Artifact. And it is a Dota card game. Yeah. So the official title is Artifact. A Defense of the Ancients card game. Yes. Uh, akin to the way that it's Magic, The Gathering. Uh, just the kind gathering of in a smaller of type. Yeah. Um, I assume the Ancients. <laughs> I mean, the reveal video is literally just a bunch of like... Crystals. Crystals. You're just looking at like these close-up shots of crystals flying around through space pretty sick crystals and the, i don't know i mean they're pretty dark crystals the dark crystals <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. cool so by proxy it's okay all right um <laughs> i'll allow it uh the crystals just kind of like fly around until they come together and unfortunately there's four of them otherwise if there are only five three, i thought there were four uh i want to say that they all they form, form a triangle a, uh, and then there's one is? in the middle okay yeah, but they, i remember thinking like there's three there's three no there's four mm, okay so there's there's four of them they just assemble and then underneath it says artifact, and then underneath that, in tiny font, as though they were trying to hide it, it says a Dota card game. Yes, and if you have not watched the reveal of this at the International, I highly recommend doing so, because it comes up and it says artifact, and there's this moment where you think, oh my god, Valve is announcing an entirely new game, this is genuinely exciting, and then it fades in underneath it to say that it's a Dota card game, and you can feel the tenor of the room shift dramatically uh, as everyone realizes that they don't give a shit about this thing because there are plenty of card games to play, both online and off, namely Magic, which is one of the best game systems ever devised, and why compete? Hearthstone's okay, I guess. I mean, well, Hearthstone seems to be what they are gunning for. I have to which, imagine. Which Did Heroes of the Storm come out before Dota? What is the... Maybe you're the wrong person to ask. What I wish that we had. Heroes of the Storm came out after Dota, okay. substantially. And League of Legends was that the original. Uh, so League of Legends came out, I believe, before Dota two. Yeah. Um, but the the lineage on this whole thing is extremely screwed up because this thing was a mod for yeah, uh, for a Blizzard game. Valve then bought the rights to the mod. But of course, they didn't make any of the assets that were being used in the mod because those all belonged to Blizzard. And there was actually a lawsuit over this that ended up, I forget how it ended up being decided, I think in Valve's favor. Um, okay. But the, the whole thing's weird. Suffice it to say, Dota's a big-ass deal. Uh, it totally makes sense that Valve would want to expand the Dotaverse. I do not think that a collectible card game that you play online is a great way to do that. Um, I mean, I think that, that Hearthstone, Hearthstone sales and whatever's going on there would beg to differ. I mean, the kids love the card games. And I, I love the card games. I actually played Hearthstone uh, for about two months of pretty intensely and then never played yeah. it again. Because I really like Triple Triad. Okay. That is a card game that is in a Final Fantasy game, correct? Yeah, it's in Final Fantasy VIII. Fantastic card mm -hmm. game, in-game card game. Triple Triad's really good. Um, you guys check that out if you... Have an opportunity. If you like card games and also like card games. Final yeah. Fantasy. You do have to play the entirety of Final Fantasy VIII to play this card game conveniently but it's excellent um there was a a not nearly as good version in final fantasy 9 um but final fantasy 9 is probably the better game if less interesting i think final fantasy 9 is an excellent video it's game. an excellent video game it's a, it's a little too too clean in some ways 
I like that card game. I like Magic the Gathering. I really like Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering is fun. Um, I guess the question is, why... Gwent. Gwent is Gwent, fun. People is, that's popular. That's a game from The Witcher. And they so, released a... They released a... Standalone version Standalone of version, which I believe is called Gwent, a Witcher card game. Is it really? I, yeah. I think that, like, literally you could just line up all of these, like... Well, Hearthstone is... Was Hearthstone based on an existing mythology? No, not. Hearthstone is just, like, such a nice name because it makes you think of, like, hey, I'm hanging out by this yes. hearth. Playing cards playing with my cards friends. With my friends in this tavern. Sick medieval tavern. Yeah, yeah that's... Definitely. And so, like, I'm down with that. And Blizzard... Blizzard, Blizzard just seems good. like the better Valve at this point. And if they could just develop their own Steam... I mean, they kind of are... They, I mean, they have Battle.net. They have Battle.net, they essentially which is no longer that. called Battle.net. Right. But, but they, they have that. And if they could... And they're going to have... Um, I mean, Activision is, is all in on that. I believe because Destiny is going. Destiny Two is going to be on BattleNet. It feels like they're making some sort of an attempt to kind of combat Steam's dominance in the PC buying game space. I don't know. What I'm disappointed by out of this is that I guess I just want Valve to level with everybody, yeah, and say that they're not going to make these games that everybody wants. And I think that would be good for everyone because it's not like I really care about Half Life Three. I love Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2. For a long time, Half-Life 1 was probably my favorite game ever. I think it's a fantastic video game. I think it doesn't hold up as well as I wish it would. But I feel like they've put themselves in a position where no matter what they announce, this game could be really good. I actually think there's a pretty high chance of it being pretty good. Oh, I don't think it'll be bad. By but any I means. think that they make it feel like a betrayal because... They're very bad at messaging what they're intending to do. Uh, well, what is Gabe Newell's role in Valve at this point? Gabe Newell being the former president, and I mean, what, what was did he design Half Life? Uh, I think he had a more intensive role back he, then. Just the but he's certainly head? the the head of the company. He's the masthead and, on their ship. Yeah, and they actually it, they have some weird thing where you can see their uh, organizational structure and it's literally Gabe Newell and then just completely flat beneath Gabe Newell. Mm. So Gabe Newell is where the buck stops and then everybody else is basically an equal. Uh, Gabe Newell is a noted knife collector. Uh, some great photos of Gabe Newell holding enormous knives online and he is worth more than $4 billion. Uh, so if you are curious, it turns out that owning steam is very lucrative. Um, yeah, I just want them to say that they're not going to make Half-Life and just set all this to bed. And then if they want to make Half-Life, they could, right? Yeah. It it has And we created... know, yeah. I mean, just just tell us it's not coming and then make it. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And you own the distribution platform, so then you could just they could just stealth put out Half-Life 3. I think that we've discussed the idea that they just do this someday. Oh, so you just wonderful. everybody wakes up one morning and it's it's but like it's going to it would leak before that. I don't think it would. Why? Because there are people who work at Valve who would leak it. Maybe. I don't I know. Mean, that's a that's a big story. You're going to get some big bucks from uh, all the tabs. Big bucks from all the tabs. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, I know that right now the reveal um, trailer, the teaser trailer for Artifact, a Dota card game. Artifact. Artifact. Um, has a 9 to 1 dislike to like ratio on, on YouTube. <laughs> that is brutal. Uh, and I think that like... I think that most people also just feel as though it is cribbing so hard on Hearthstone. I think it, it seems to be cribbing pretty hard for Magic too. It has that colored, oh, it has gems, elemental and, yeah. sort of sense. I think that like that that's part of where some of the 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 bad press is coming from is just that like they could have picked up, created any new IP. Yes, and if it were anything but a card game, playing off of like. Card game tropes. Yeah, card game tropes. And also just like just like riffing on Blizzard's own. I don't it's just it's like Blizzard already made the better Team Fortress 2 in Overwatch. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I I mean what if what if Valve like picked up Sonic? Is anybody doing anything with Sonic? Uh they actually are just putting out a new Sonic game. Valve is. No. Uh Sega. What if there's like a Sonic game where like you just spend like the first five minutes on a train? That would be so awesome. And then you talk to a bunch of scientists. And, and then, then there's like a terrible event that turns all of the other animals into monsters. Yeah. And then you have to free all of them because Dr. Robotnik, his experiments went awry. And you get some gravity sneakers. Oh my God, dude. We did it. We did it. 
We got to stop this podcast. There's still the G-Man, though, for some reason. Yeah, well, the G-Man... <laughs> still shows up. Yeah, he's just around, and, and yeah. he's you know clearly encouraging people to do things they shouldn't do. Basically, Valve, I love you, I want to love you, and you used to do the most original things in video games. You used to be a place that I went to see what the future of video games was going to be in a lot of ways. Just seminal game after seminal game, kicking ass nonstop, and now... You are making a card battler based on an existing IP that you did not invent in-house. And that is disappointing. A betrayal might be a bit strong, but why not? We're on the internet, so we might as well be a bit strong. Uh, it's a bummer. It's a knife in the back. Yeah. Et tu, um, Valve. It's Et one, of, one of Gabe Newell's many decorative knives shoved into your back. <laughs> uh but seriously, Google that picture of Gabe Newell sitting next to a computer just holding these two big-ass knives because it is strange. I would read a novel about... Uh, not even... A, no, I would read... I want, like, an in-depth New York Times magazine piece on Gabe Newell and, yes. like, what his day-to-day is like. Yep. Like, when the New York Times ran that piece on the guy who created Dwarf Fortress... Yes, and that's a great piece. It's an incredible piece. Um, I can't remember his name, but if you guys google that you will find it it's fascinating like the contents of his refrigerator are incredible yes i don't, just won't leave say it at that more. leave it at that yeah all right so that's enough about artifact yeah a, a game that neither game. of us will play i i will probably play you'll play artifact i will probably i will it is inevitable that i will download that game and i will boot it up and i might not play it for a long time or it's totally possible that it will become the only thing i play and every single week on the show i will just talk about how great artifact is so I think this game has the potential to be very good, and that is kind of the saddest part about it, is that Valve is probably making something very good, but it does not feel sufficiently Valve. What if there's a moment in Artifact where you buy, like, a new pack of cards or however it goes, and you, like, you slit the digital foil open, Mm -hmm. and out comes a card bearing the picture of Gordon Freeman, and the card is just called Half-Life 3. That would be... And then Half-Life 3 boots. Oh, that is the dream this is is like people talk about how they like buy lottery tickets to have the license to dream oh this is the reason that you buy artifact is the is the dream the hope that somewhere inside half-life let's say half-life episode three it just feels like there has to be somebody else inside of valve what's weird there's such a disconnect where it feels like the world outside of valve desperately wants half-life three to happen and the impression that you get is that valve never thinks about it like no. no one in Valve is at all excited by the prospect of revisiting those characters. For the longest time, we just assumed that they were just waiting for the next generation yes. of console, and then we assumed that they were waiting for the next generation of console. And then we assumed they were waiting for VR headsets. Not even console, yeah. And there's still there's still nothing. So I yeah I think that they're I don't know I just I think that like we have all imagined the idea that like a Valve like holding a press conference and you see Half Life episode three show up and then the episode just like disappears Ooh, that would be so and it's sick. just half-life three like they did with final fantasy when 15 when it turned from yeah. final fantasy nova crystallis chronicles <laughs> yes novala crystallis yeah. or whatever man that would be amazing yeah uh but i i just don't think it's gonna happen and i just want them to say it no and We've i don't even spent- know if, what i mean half-life 2 is still a great game but like how do you even iterate on that at that point it's been iterated on by everybody else and i'm sure that's how they feel is that I there think- have been so many games that have that have you know, it's it is justifiable other than the fact that they kind of ended on a cliffhanger. It's justifiable to not make Half-Life 3 because you feel like you can't push things forward. And that's part of what is identified with Half-Life. Mm-hmm. But you just need to be upfront about that. And the secrecy just makes people sad. So to move on to happier things, happier things uh, like a decaying kingdom in which you are a zombie person who is forced to regain their own humanity and Matt. die over and over and over again in the process. How's your souls? Hello, Dark Souls, my old friend. My souls? Um, well... All right, so I'll be frank. From an outsider's perspective, objectively, my souls are pretty good. After I finally beat the Lord of Cinder... Yes. Um, the Abyss Watcher, I have... Walker. Walker. I guess he doesn't just watch. He he's, he's literally a, struts Texas, across the Texas abyss. Ranger of the Abyss. <laughs> um, 
I uh, have marched through several more areas and uh, decimated two more bosses. Maybe it is Watcher. <laughs> well, I mean, like the Abyss watches back. Was it? A, was it the Abyss Walker? or Was it the Abyss Watcher? I think it's the Walker. I want to say it's a Walker. I think it's Walker. Once you said Walker, I, I thought to myself, that sounds right. It seems right. I'm sorry. I, I derailed us. Go ahead. So you beat two bosses. Beat two bosses. So objectively, everything's going really strongly. Um, I had an upsetting moment, though, that really kind of threw off my night. Okay. Um, no pun intended. No, um, it, was, it was great work, and I, I hope we return to it. I was playing in the evening. Um, I, had, I was kind of exploring this area, and I had noticed that there was this fog gate. And this is up in the cathedral. We had talked previously about how... Um, Pretty early in the game, you can either move literally upwards up a series of staircases and through a cathedral and up onto a roof and stuff, or you can uh, go down into the bog. And I think that we both cleared the bog and cle- cleared the abyss uh, walker watcher. And I then went, I then decided like, okay, I finally cleared this guy. I need to get my head out of the swamp. I want to go up to like yeah. where it's airy and shit. Um so I went back up and kind of cleared that area up there. And there are these giant giants, giant giants. Oh, oh, they're like large, large giants. They're large, largems. Okay. Uh, Hank Largem, as I call them. <laughs> uh, so I was, uh, I was like kind of wary of these Hank Largems because yeah. they are very big. And, and when so, you, and when in- you walk across the platform that they are adjacent to, they will crush you with their hands. Yes. And yeah. if, if you're down by their feet, they'll ignore you until you get too close. And then they will attempt to and step so, on you. And they will attempt to step on you. I was very intimidated by these. So I ran past one just running through his little legs, um, and ran up some stairs, and I was like, oh, okay, this is where I need to go next. This My path is clear, but I'm going to explore this little area off to the side. And so I go off to the side, and this is on kind of like the second level of this gigantic cathedral. The ground is far below me, and I see, not too far ahead of me, a familiar little... Squat, a squat, squat figure. squat figure, um, bedecked in rotund... The armor of Katarina. Armor. Oh, that's right. That's what it is. Yeah, it is. Katarina. The Onion Knight. A curvy, thick, you might say. Two C's on that one. Two C's. Um, so I see the Onion Knight, and I go up and I talk to him. He's like, oh, hmm, hello. Hmm. Yes, he does not sound like the actual Onion Knight. It is I worth noting for the audience. enough attention. I have also experienced this, and it's about to come. it is very clear that this person... There's something off about their voice. It sounds as though somebody is impersonating our friend, the Onion Knight. Well, in any case, I was I was too happy to see him. I was overjoyed, literally overjoyed, after what I had fought through and having to run through the legs of a Hank Largem in order to get to him. And um, so he says, hey, there's this bridge here. You want to cross it? I was like, yeah, let's go cross this together. He's like, you go first. So I go first. And I'm barely halfway across the bridge when he throws some magic switch that I afterwards was not able to find and the bridge starts to sink into the ground and what is right below me watching me sink towards it but a giant and as I go down the onion knight takes off his helmet looks like a wrinkled old man he's a weirdo laughs he, at me he looks very strange and yes he he it's he, so well, his voice changes. It's, yes. it's very clearly not the it's onion not his, voice. It's not his voice. And I don't know who he is, but I was I felt betrayed. Were you killed by the Hank Largem? No, this is actually how I found out that I could kill a giant. Yes. And then immediately afterwards, I was so angry that I went through the area and killed all the other giants in the area. Yes. And uh, gathered up all of their stuff and all of their souls. The giants are actually not that hard to kill. So it's funny that you say that because what happened in, for me is I came to this area... Uh, saw one of the the giant men, and uh, actually, I went around and killed all the giants out of the gate. Yeah, brave, brave, and brave uh, did that. Then I went upstairs, fought a bunch of priests. There's a room you go into where there are like seventy priests, and you fight them, and they constitute a boss. Yeah. Uh, at the end of it, you murder the pope. Uh, you get his clothes, which are worth a lot of money. Oh. So the Vatican. Uh, I don't know. I, my understanding is that the Savior said to give away all of our possessions, but clearly that did not get into Anne Orlando or wherever this the hell is, we are. This is, this is some, some trenchant analysis. Yes, let me Catholic tell you Church. a little bit more about Catholicism. <laughs> okay, so in the beginning. Um, so 
uh, I killed the giants and then I met the guy. Okay. And so he threw the trap and then there's actually voice work where he goes, where are the giants? And is all confused Ooh. because I've already murdered all the giants. Because he said to me, he said, like, I'll see how you handle that giant down there. So he said that, and then he realized that there were no oh, giants, okay. and then said that he didn't understand what had happened. I have a question. What, what have you done? And I had killed the fucking giants. Do you know who he is? No, I do not know who he is. This is, like, the great mystery of this game for me now, is that I want to know... Was the Onion Knight that we met earlier in the game our real Onion Knight? Yes. Or has this guy been playing a long con? I believe that the Onion Knight you met earlier is the real Onion Knight. And I think what's very, very interesting about this is that they are playing off of the fact that as a player of the first Dark Souls, you have nothing but fond experiences with the with the Onion Knight. Yeah. Uh, and so they've put you in this position where you could have had that earlier good experience with the Onion Knight and this would still sting. But especially if you just love the Onion Knight and are so into this character who you've seen in the original Dark Souls, you've watched this him is grow into his armor. An immense betrayal. It's it's <laughs> a Cain and Abel moment. Truly, truly. Um, I am very curious who this man is. I want to know if he did something to my Onion Knight. That is also my worry. Yeah, as if I find like the the dead body of the Onion Knight somewhere. Yeah morbidly obese body that fills yeah. that armor like this is better than the nemesis system like than the shadow of mordor ne nemesis system this is like because you just want to oh. kill that guy oh i hate this guy yeah so i much. also i also just do uh, not i like have him. not been able to find him i went back up to that area and like looked around there's not really anything to do up there so you can go clear, out into the balcony but like then you just fall to your death probably i have cleared that entire area there yeah. is not a single enemy in it anymore mm -hmm. um and I want to uh, go up to that upper level that I was trying to get to across that bridge. Yeah, because and you I can't, can't, figure I can't figure out, out how, how to, to raise that bridge again that no. he lowers, and it's extremely frustrating because that is the main thing that I've done. Um, I went and actually bought the Abyss Walker. Uh, I bought their weapons because you can turn their soul into their big sword and parrying knife. All right, so and you're, you're dual wielding. So I was doing that. I well. I actually just spent a bunch of time messing around with different weapons yeah. and kind of testing them out in earlier areas. So you're no longer using that that. I have, I have sword. I have returned to that sword. Oh, okay. Um, I yeah, because I fooled around with a few different ones, and I was just like, none of these are actually. The Abyss Walker sword is cool, uh, but it's just not particularly effective when compared to that other one. So I've just been kind of going around leveling up a little bit, and then I went and did all of this exact stuff that you're talking about, and now I can't figure out how to raise that thing. Um, and I know that I need to, so I just need to find the switch, you, but I have no I, idea. I don't, I don't think that the switch is there. I, I think, think it is. Well, you keep searching. I will find that switch. Did you go back down into the, what happens after you pass through the Lord of Cinder on the other end? I have Continuing not. down? I have not. Okay. Cause there, I know you were having There are a bunch of skeletons down, down there. I got through all the Jack skeletons. I, it's, there's some interesting stuff, including another old friend. Oh, interesting. Or another old enemy. I can't I wait. Say. I, I look There's forward to There's stuff that goes on down there, um, including my favorite boss fight of the game. Really? So far. It's a it's a clever little conceit. His name is uh, Old Lord Lord Wolnir? 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 I don't know. He's a giant skeleton man. Oh, I love that. Uh, and it's like this really, it's it's kind of like more um, environmentally based mm, cool. than previous Dark Souls fights. So I thought that it was a it was kind of a clever little thing. Um, I think that something I found very interesting about this game, and particularly in fighting this group of priests that constituted a which boss, is just an impressive that they were able to render all that. And that's exactly it. Is this really feels like a sequel to Dark Souls in the traditional sense of they have better technology, they figured out how to do more stuff, and the game is basically the same but they're free to do a lot more interesting things with the yeah. enemies, environmental puzzles, more people on the screen. Uh, it's just an expansion of all the things I loved about Dark Souls 1. Agreed. And I'm I'm very taken with this game. All I really recall, um, and I think that we're seeing this to a degree now, but I remember when we first played the first Dark Souls, and I remember we were talking about how fantastic it is, and we were debating like, what would a higher level of graphical fidelity really bring us? And we agreed, like, you know, more textures, fantastic. It's all cool. But 
what would we really look for from the next generation of a Dark Souls game? I think that your comment was animations. Yes, and I stand by that. If, if I could have enemies that were more responsive to the environment, which animated smoothly in yeah. being able to climb on walls or something weird we're, like that, that'd be really neat. Not quite there. It seems uh, they have not improved yeah. animations or anything like that. There's just more enemies. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like things move faster, obviously to a degree. Yes. I don't think that maybe that might have something to do with processing power, but yeah, I'm, I'm still not draw distances are pretty good. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, makes my, makes the machine chug, but yeah. it's very pretty. I was actually surprised. I didn't have any frame rate blips in that that fight against the um I wrote down the name the of all the priests that the you that you murder in cold deacons, blood. Or deacons it's like of the dark deep. deacons of the deep, I think. Yeah. Deep deep deacons. Deep deacons. Uh yeah, I, I uh there were some minor frame rate issues, but I was just wandering okay. through a horde of deep deacons swinging a sword. Did you use the ice sword? Yes. Yeah. I honestly should have used that Abyss Walker sword because it, it lets you clears. do that but that weird attack where he comes at you, slides along the ground, and just clears an area in a circle oh, yeah. around him. That would have been satisfying. And that would have been extremely effective. That I mean that that's a that was a fun boss fight. I enjoyed that. I thought it was, it was really just cool. like it was like cutting grass. It was like Well, and it's something that you haven't seen before in a Dark Souls game. Yes, precisely. Um so Dark Souls. It's great. Still good. I, uh despite betrayal. Yes, we have been betrayed, uh, but not by the game. The no, game, not the by game the game. remains really, really great. We will find the man, the Onion Knight impersonator, the false Onion Knight. Yes, one of the many doppelgangsters that we have encountered. Uh, I, yeah, I'm worried that at some point that game will let me down because I'm finding myself just it's it's such a pure enjoyment where I don't really think about it. I just know exactly what it is and it's yeah. exactly what it says it is. And it delivers entirely on it. So I'm not disappointed by it, but it's just more dark souls. It's just, it's a delicious meal that you can always rely on. Yep. And so I'm scared that at a certain point it falls apart, but I can't imagine that happening. So for the sake of our listeners who are either skipping this section or just like gr gritting their teeth and burying it every week, how far into this game do you think we are? Uh, I believe there are four Lords of Cinder. So okay. I would say we're about a quarter of we're the way We're a quarter in. of the way in. So we've killed one of them. I killed something that was not a Lord of Cinder, but it was a Cinder fella. Hmm. He has Cinder in his name, in his title. So this, the old did, Lord did Wolner. Did you kill Cinderella? <laughs> Cinder fella. Cinder fella. Um, he had Cinder somewhere in his title. Interesting. I can't remember. He might have been like, a friend of Cinder, a Duke of Cinder, yeah, lesser yeah. lord of Cinder, but he, or he might have been like the old lost king of Cinder. Hmm, that sounds like it might have been a lord of Cinder. So maybe, maybe we're just blasting through it. But I would I expect he was—he wasn't total, a lord of Cinder because I, I would have known if he was Bob. Trust me, don't. I don't, don't mean to belittle your intelligence. Yeah. That would be a betrayal. I, I can read. Okay. Uh, and speaking of reading, oh lordy, what a segue that was. Uh, we move in. Let's move outside of Dark Souls and start talking about our favorite visual novels. Pyre. Pyre? Pyre. Uh, Pier. Pi Pyre. P-Y-R-E. Yes. Uh, so this is this is a game about people who love pie, pie makers, and the people who love eating it. Um, uh, soundtracked by the song Cherry Pie by Warrant. Um, it's It's really a little bit lewd. But a little bit, it's tasty too. Um, so damn good pie. Yeah, this is a game called Pyre. It's amazing by Supergiant Games. Yes. Um, you have a troubled history with. I love everything Supergiant has put out so far, but I, I love, I love the isometric. I do not have a troubled history with them. I just, I can tell that their previous games, their previous games being Bastion and then Transistor. I have not played a lot of Transistor, but Bastion, I came very close to completing if I did not complete it. Okay, so you didn't bounce off of it. No, just... I, I played it a lot, um, and I thought it was very good. I just don't think... the I could tell that they were very well made and very good games, and I totally understand where people would love them. I just thought, for me, this is okay. Um, this game, though, I absolutely adore. So Pirate just came out. It's on Windows, Mac, and PS4. It's not on Xbox One. No. I bet it will come out for iOS eventually. They've released everything else on iOS. Yeah, and Bastion ran in a browser at one point. There was a Chrome version of Bastion. Whoa. Yeah. 
Nice. Which is very impressive. Hey. Way to go, Bastion. Yeah, good for them. Uh, so where to even begin with this game? I I would describe it as being a sports-like. I don't know. Um, so I would, you know what I would say this game is? What would you say? It's a visual novel. Yeah. And then parts of the story are told through a game that the characters play, which is a ball game. And you know when you read about uh, the Mayans, right? And they had the ball game. Yes. And yeah. they had a, a sport. Literally the ball game. Literally called yeah. the ball game, which was a sport that was tied to their religion. And where if you lost, you died. You uh, had your, your head chopped yes, off. Yes, you were sacrificed. Um, and what I love about this game is... There's no I feel death. like Well, there's that. But it feels like this game is is sort of the only time that I've seen people talk about how games are a critical part of many societies <laughs> and yeah it's funny how we call it a sports game but it, for a lot of history what we call sports were much more serious than sports and kind of tied up in society and culture and religion in a yeah. way that modern sports alternatively are not. you could call this a religious rights game and that's kind of what it is or just a game game because it's a game about games it's a game ass game yeah uh Excellent. You as Bob said, you spend I'd say the majority of your time probably you know 60/40 ratio is that's not a ratio, 6/4 ratio. Um I guess it's all a ratio. It's all ratio. Horatio. I Alas, I knew poor him. Yorick. I knew him well, a ratio. And then and then somebody says, "But what was the ratio?" Uh, uh we're real Tom Stoppards. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you to Tom, stop. stop. I was going to do that. And then I thought, no, <laughs> not appropriate. Don't worry. I'll um, always go for it. You can count on me audience. <laughs> he won't betray you. Um, in any case, so I'd say like 60% of your time, you are interacting with various characters on your team in this, uh, sort of like a post-apocalyptic fantasy setting. Yeah. And when we say your team, the opening of this game is that you are in this place called the downside, mm-hmm. right? Or it's the downside downside. Uh, which is opposed to this place called the Commonwealth. And so there's this concept of the Commonwealth, which you have not seen. You, If you're oh, in the downside, you are in exile. Exactly. So you have been exiled from the Commonwealth for various reasons, crimes, generally, I think. Yeah. Um, and in your case, your crime is that you can read. So you are one of the only people in this realm who's able to read books. And because you can read books, you are able to read this collection of um, an explanation of the rights. And the rights are the game that you play within this game. And because you can read the the book about the rights, these teammates who you are traveling around with, really just your fellow travelers, will rely on you to guide them during the rights. So literally you are playing you within the game. You are referred to within the game's narration as you in the second person. Um, it's pretty much a classic visual novel uh, setup as well. You have characters will appear on the screen in portrait when speaking. Um, it's a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, I mean although there's relatively the- little choosing. It's it's if you win the game, your own adventure. Yes, because the game, and this is the part of it that I really haven't experienced. Uh, mm-hmm. I have, I've kind of reached the first main break in how the game works, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I have not lost a game yet, but my understanding is that when you lose a game, it does not end your game or no. damage the game. It just changes the story. The uh, Pyre does an interesting thing where I would argue that the, it actually subtly encourages you at times hmm. to lose. Um, not necessarily narratively speaking, um, although there's probably an argument to be made there, but Pyre will soften your losses significantly by incentivizing it um, through experience to begin with, but also through kind of, you come out of a loss. I've, I've lost two games now. Uh, you come out of a loss and it changes the dynamic of the team slightly. Interesting. Uh, narratively, primarily mm-hmm. a little bit, I would say within like the actual kind of uh, the, the gameplay itself, the design, but it's, um, it speaks to how deep, the characters and the lore of this game are too, that a loss um, really informs how you continue to play the game after yes. that. And I think that what we want to talk about here is the kind of key conceit of the story. Do you, con- you want to consider this a spoiler? I do not think this is necessarily as well. Okay. We can say this. 
your characters level up yeah as you play the game and at certain points high level characters are given the opportunity to leave your team so success in the game means that your best players eventually leave it's a and it's it's narratively very closely tied to the design of the game yes. it is it is a beautiful really beautiful interweaving of narrative and design and it looks i gotta say visually oh this game looks great incredible and i love the style of it so much I, it's difficult for me to communicate how much i love the way that everybody's outfits and helmets look and stuff like that it's a it's really lovingly made yes um, as i feel all of their previous games have been Agreed. and i would occur, encourage anybody who's slightly interested in pyre but maybe you want to try one of their other games first check out transistor it's a it's a love story about a woman and her sword and it's a really great game um that's sort of like an isometric tactical rpg action game um but pyre did you have any reservations about this at any point or did you just boot it up and I, you were just like boy i'm in this i booted it up i saw the start screen is great and it's one of those things where it started rolling and I had that moment where you say, I think I like this too much. Mm -hmm. Like it's inevitable that this is going to disappoint me because I am so in love with the way that it looks, the vibe of it. It's so polished and I, very polished. it is outside of a Nintendo game maybe. And I think this is true of all their games. I don't know how they do it when all of these other indie studios seem to struggle with it. And understandably, because you're on a shoestring budget and you're trying to just put something out. This is a small team. I think that they set parameters. This game f is razor sharp. It does not, there are no, no rough edges in it. The interface is gorgeous. It's super charming in every possible way. It feels like everything has been iterated on. There's a character who is a little imp. Uh, I love him. He's my favorite. Oh, he's so great. He's so good. And he talks in this weird, like, talk. Yeah. But if you want to, you can hover your cursor over what he says and it will give you a translation of it, but it requires a little bit of effort from you to do that, to actually see kind of what he's saying. Yeah. And I, so many little touches like that, that are thematic and interesting and kind of weird and speak to a lot of effort on the development team's part. And I would say that, so I, okay, so I started this up and I was a little bit less friendly to it. Um, I, my initial reaction, which is not necessarily a fair reaction, but my reaction was, ah, it's a fantasy game. I had no idea what this game was going to be about. I just knew that I love super giant. So I reacted, it's a fantasy game. There's going to be lore. I have to fucking learn another game's lore all over. <laughs> like, like I, and I literally, I sometimes make lists of all of the media that I'm engaging with just so I can kind of like try and rein myself in because like too much media is never a good thing. Um, and so I was like, I don't know if I fucking want to do this. I don't want to deal with like having to learn what the Commonwealth is. Like initially I was like, why does anybody want to go to the Commonwealth? The Commonwealth sounds awful. Like this sounds, it's an oppressive place. And, and I, that's, and this becomes I a theme. So curious. It's becomes a theme. Yeah. I, yeah, you're a little farther than I am. I cannot wait to maybe go there. I, there's, the I mean, game this, does such a good job of creating just a mystery about a mystery everything. about about the Commonwealth. But in a large part, I just was I, you know, kind of like bounced off the lore real fast early on. I was just like, I'm not particularly engaged in this. I didn't like any of the three initial characters that you met a whole lot. Well, I'll, you're making eyes at me like I betrayed you in some way, and I feel genuinely betrayed because there is a dog in your initial party who yeah. has a mustache. He's got like a Poirot mustache. It's it's delightful. And Jordar, so so you have to understand though that my my reaction to this was was largely like I have a lot of media and like these characters are fine, but like I could read a book and it's going to be significantly better characterization than this. So why am I not just going and reading a book? And then I played my first write and I was like, this is all right, but it's a little slow. I wish it moved faster. I like that my dog guy, my cur, as they are called in lore. Yeah. They're my a race of dog men. And then you meet that wildling girl who's just like, you can name her K may you name J. her. She just says that she knows her name rhymes with something. And yeah. so that ends in a, and then she gives you a bunch of options. Yeah. What and did it's you a name her? Cute little I named her Kay. I named her Shay. Okay. So like I was like, that's cute, but like I don't really like this character because she she goes on too long. I don't oh, like I how love like, her. her dialogue works. She, I'll be she, honest, there are times when I don't like the dialogue in this game. Why? Um 
I think it goes on too long. Hmm, that's interesting. And I, I think feel... that like her loping, the way that, that her, her dialogue is done is that it's very loping and it's always like kind of like a Frisbee sentence that comes back it's, on itself. I mean a boomerang, but yes. Yeah. I don't know what Frisbees you've been playing with. I, I have boomerang Frisbees. In New England, we called all things that you throw Frisbees. Yeah. Um, no, you're at boomerang. If sentence. a Frisbee comes back to you, it's a betrayal of what it should be doing. This is the betrayal person of that physics, frankly. Yeah, you're theoretically <laughs> playing Frisbee with feels betrayed. Um, in in any case, like I sometimes still find that like the the dialogue goes on a little bit too long uh, in some of these these sections, and that's because like okay, I I've learned what this character is like. I've learned through their dialogue mm-hmm. what they were like. Anyway, it wasn't until I met the imp. Okay. The little like fluttery creature oh, imp thing. So it looks good. like a little bug and he's so adorable. He's got those big eyes and he just goes, Scream! Oh, he's and so good. Like, he's wonderful. And then I met the, like, the, the traveling salesman who, if you're on his... He's awesome. And he's just like, if, if you're like observing his wares, he just like hums in the background going... And you can always put him to sleep. Yes, if, if you, you don't want to listen to him anymore. And I do. Yeah, I always uh, listen to him. Well, see, and, and there's so many touches like that and when you're what, in the wagon. It begins to stack. You it can begins, just click on it, everything and it interacts. You and can blow the, out all the candles for no oh, reason. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful the ways, and that just grows as you go through. Yes. Um, the, re, the thing that finally got me to like the game was the essentially what's a footnote system. Where anytime yes. you have a proper noun, you scroll over it, much like with the imps dialogue, you scroll over things and they'll be highlighted and you can scroll over them and it will give you a quick one to two sentence breakdown on what it is in case you've forgotten what the Commonwealth is or what the rights are or what this one particular like ancient scribe who slew a demon, who he was and what the demon was. And, yep. and so it's very lore friendly. It is an exceptionally lore friendly game. And there's a really... And just as somebody who designs UIs for a living, uh, they do a really slick thing where if you haven't highlighted something, it pulses, it pulses very gently. And yeah. it's or so if it's changed. gentle. Yes. Or if it's changed. And so there's the constantly this sort of encouragement to know what you can ignore, what you can't ignore. And yeah. it's very good about just giving you enough information to make everything interesting and exciting. And there's also an option in the options menu to just skip all story stuff if you want you can just really yeah so presumably if you're playing through it a second time my one gripe with this game and it's something that i will it's not actually i don't think i'm not going to call this a gripe um the one thing that i think that this game is very does very interestingly but also a trap that it potentially falls in is the need to give every minor character a backstory that's delivered through exposition Hmm. and sometimes i feel like what i wouldn't give for just like you meet a character and they're just like chill. They've got nothing going on. They're just like, yeah, I'll play for you. Like I'll be on your team and your RPG party. And just like, they have no backstory. And like how refreshing that would be as opposed to just like, guess I have to wait for Jordariel's like full backstory. I bet something terrible happened. And everyone's terrible backstories, they don't meld necessarily. Cause I think that the game is very well written. I think that the backstories are well written, but like the rhythms of like play a match, discover backstory, play a match, discover backstory becomes way too familiar. Not just because the game does it on such a loop, but also because I think other games have done this. But to piggyback on that, one of the things that I really like about this game is as we talked about, there's a narrative design conceit in which when characters, when they level up to a certain degree, um, will need to, or will be chosen to leave your party. And depending on when they do this, you might not get somebody's full backstory. Yes. And that ambiguity, I love. I love that, like, like I said goodbye to my dog friend early on. Oh. um, Because I thought that he was a good candidate for leaving. And I trusted him, and I liked him. And I was a little bit more curious about his backstory, but I really don't know much about him. And so he almost lives larger in my memory than, say, um, uh, uh, Tamitha or is it Pamitha? No, Pamitha. Pamitha, who I'm just like, I'm kind of like, okay, Pamitha, I get your deal with your like sister yep. and things are complicated and like... She's a cool bird lady. Cool bird lady. Noted. I like her. Um, but yeah, I think that like this is, is like the rhythms of... And now it is time for some backstory. I, I totally get yeah. where you're coming from and it's... That is an, a kind of difficult thing because I think it is extremely well written 
uh, I'm just genuinely kind of shocked by the quality of it and how much I care about all these characters. And one of the things I do love about it is the way that it's constantly encouraging you to use and interact with characters that you're not using. Mm-hmm. So if you don't use somebody in a match, well done. they're given a stat bonus if you use them in a subsequent match. Things like that. Just very smart video game design choices. And I think And that also they random get they randomly will get um buffs. Every so often when you're wandering the map, you might get like like I never use K and then suddenly K is like it's like K found some snails and ate them and she's tripping now. Like plus two hope for is the that next because match. She's awesome, by the way. Her jump her jump is very cool. Oh because I have only just started using that and I am I'm pretty far into this game. I'm actually pretty close yeah. to the end. Um yeah, no, her jump is fantastic. It's There's awesome. only one character who I don't like using. Okay. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't think that you've played with them yet. Okay. I, I think that... And so, also because, I mean, first of all, I would never betray you like that. Thank you. But... I don't believe you, but thanks. Yeah. Uh, so... I would never betray the listeners. What I think is really important about this, and I think what's kind of crazy about Pyre generally, is that, yes, I agree that there is a little bit too much of a kind of sing-songy rhythm to it in a weird way. That's yeah. a kind of strange way to characterize it, but I agree that you kind of play a match and then you're, okay, I'll probably have like three dialogue sections and then I'll yeah. play a match. And so it's like, it's like verse, verse, chorus, verse, 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 chorus, verse, 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 chorus. Yep. And you start, yeah, you start to like always look forward to the chorus yep. because you can sing along to it. Yes. It's a little bit of it's that. It's always going to be the best part of the song for yep. a reason. And, and, that's all true, even though I do love all the characters. Yeah, and I don't want. I'm, I'm coming down on this. I think it's. I think the characters oh, are are. It's charming amazing. as fuck. It's. Yeah. I, I have trouble believing that somebody would dislike this game in any serious way. Agreed. Um, what's crazy is that we haven't even talked about the real game. We have not talked oh, about the right. ball game at all. We have all. not actually talked about. We've been stuck in the visual novel aspect and of this. I think that that is a testament to the game. Yes. Uh. So there's a ball game. And it's sports. There's two flames, one at either end of the map, and your goal is to dunk a ball into that into that pyre. You control a triumvirate of yes. three three characters. You each pick with which their characters. Own. You pick which characters. Some characters refuse to play with other characters, so there's also like narrative kind of like tricky things in there. Not unlike a fire emblem having friendship stats for different characters, things yes. like that. Uh, there's a lot of fire emblem in this. There's a lot of XCOM in it. I feel like. Yeah, real-time XCOM, perhaps. Well, just in terms of the idea of you have a team and it's leveling and your goal is to kind of, oh, I have a new person. I need to kind of bring them up to the level of my existing team and things like that where you're sort of nurturing a whole squad and becoming more intimately familiar with what each person is good at as you do that. Yeah, and Uh, weird hair. Also, there's a lot of weird hair. Yeah, I mean, you you can only control... The key to this is you can only control one of your players at a time and the others must stand idle. So only one character can move at a given time, which is a really interesting conceit when you think about it. It's something that you sort of forget about as you're playing the game. Um, And then you suddenly will... You know, you're just kind of used to it. But, like, if you think about it, like, outside of it, you really... You have two people standing absolutely still. That said, they retain this sort of aura around them. So So you can use them to block opposing players. Uh, So positioning is just generally very important. And each of these characters has significantly different abilities. So you're encouraged to... And then you can equip different items on characters that will boost them in certain directions. And of course, each character has a skill tree, so they're leveling up and becoming better in certain ways or others. So there's a lot of intersecting systems here that allow you to spec your characters in different ways, and then that is going to impact how you choose to use them in this game. But at its core, despite all of these intersecting systems, which I totally love, it also just like feels pretty good to play a ball game. It feels great. Yeah. They're... The dunking sensation is one of those things that when you describe it to your friends, you kind of scrunch up your face and go, (laughs) when you are describing how one of your characters dunks the ball. Uh, Imagine flying into a pit of fire and just extinguishing it as you fly in. You just, yeah, it's it's the reverse of NBA Jam because there's a fire and you put that shit out. Out. Uh, It's Firewatch. Yeah. Uh, you are a fire warden. This game could be called Fire Wardens. Pyre. Pyre. Pyre Legend of the Fire. Pyre Wardens. 
<laughs> Pyre watch. Yeah. Uh, Pyre watch with me. I knew you were going to do it. Pyre walk with me. Um, it is great. I cannot wait to play more of it. Yeah. And I'm just so happy that it exists because it's very, it's very much a singular experience. You're not going to get the experience of Pyre anywhere else. Um, and it's, I just can't get over the polish. I, I, it's, it, it's a neat game. I just feel like I came out of Tacoma and I was sort of, man, I love that indie games can do things that big budget games can't, but this game is sort of broken. It doesn't run great. It feels sort of rushed despite taking four years. And it's just overall kind of bummed me out. Yeah. And then you play Pyre and you go, why do I ever play games from the big guys? This thing is just as good as anything they can put out. It's so tight. Yeah. It just so well done. Great. Intrigue the intrigue throughout, like as far as narratively narrative is concerned. Um, one other nitpick. I don't like the animations on the wagon. Oh, they're kind of out of character. They're very out of character. They're very Tex Avery. They're super the, goofy. I don't like it. It looks like someone totally unrelated to this game animated the wagon. It feels yeah, it, caravan or whatever it is. It's so that you're so in. strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I I kind of enjoy it, but you know what it reminds me of uh, is Logical Journey of the Zumbinis, which was a Broderbund Holy game, shit. and the I animations on the, the wagon. In honestly, ages. this whole game really reminds me of an old Broderbund game, like. Yes. Uh, Carmen San Diego or Logical Journey I mean, of the Zumbies. Just pick any game that came out in the late 1980s through like the early to mid 90s and Broderbund probably put it out. Yeah, but there's a very specific sort of kind of storytelling game. This game with, reminds with like me of the 2D Zumbinis. animated yes. kind of like look to it. There's a lot to the animations in this game that is like the Zumbinis. Also, apparently there's a Zumbinis re-release for iOS, which I keep meaning to get. But uh, I loved the Zumbinis. Podcast. It's a great game. And this game, in many ways, reminds me of it. So, I give it my highest review. Uh, it is great. Yeah, zoom, eight Zumbinis. Yes, out of 20. But zero stars. Yes, no stars. Uh, awesome. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about Pyre next week. But for now, this is the part of the show where we talk about something else that we've enjoyed in the past week. Uh, Matt. Oh, wait, I wanted to, to drop one, one quick Ooh, last game. Drop yeah. in there. Um. The PS4, whatever membership program, PS4 Plus, PS4 Gold Plus member card. Um, the free, Nailed two it. free games a month. Uh, one of them is Just Cause 3. Haven't played that, but it looks like it'll be fun. Um, the other one is a little indie hit called Downwell. I love Downwell. Downwell has been on Steam and iOS devices, probably Android as well, for quite a while now. Um, if you wanted to play the best version of Downwell, just we'll probably boot it up on Steam, but or you can play it on your PS4 for free right now. Dan Downwell is you're a little dude who jumps down a well. You um, can hop on monsters' heads as you're falling. Your you're, feet are guns. Your feet are guns. What if Alice was going down the rabbit hole, but she had gun boots? That is exactly what this game is. Yeah, and it's great. It's a fantastic game. Check it out if you're if you're into the into anything like just fun game. You pick it up and you play for a little while, then you put it down. You're constantly progressing and getting new like uh, new kind of well falling styles is what they're called. Yeah, it's so um, it's so snappy. It's very snappy. It's very fun. Feels you, amazing. You pick it up real fast. It's it's you pick it up real fast. Uh, anyway, Downwell. I've spent more time playing that this week than I thought I would. Yeah, um, I have it on my phone and I had to stop because I played it on my commutes and it was one of those things where if I didn't get a seat on the train, I would still attempt to play down well and it takes two hands. And so I would be like stumbling into other people as the train stopped because I was so desperate to play down well. Also that makes you bad at down well. Sorry. Sorry. Have you played down well? A little bit where I was hoping that they would understand because they saw what I was doing. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Yeah. You should get down well. So Matt, what did you experience in the past week that you like? Um, I was so this has been a weird week for media because I've experienced a lot of media that I haven't been too keen on. Great, frankly, um, it's and a classic I've experienced experience. some good stuff that like I'm saving for later because I'm kind of in the middle of it still. Uh, a few good books. One thing though that I have weirdly been returning to over and over again is, um, you know, Brian Eno. I, I, presume, I do. I love Brian personally. Eno. 
Um, yeah, I mean, Brian real comes great around host. sometimes. Sometimes he and Cliff Blinsky, Blinsky, Blinsky. I don't tell him I said that. Yeah, I won't. Um, no, he well, understands. I mean, a real, so, it would be so a real betrayal. You just call him It'd Cliff. be a real betrayal. Yeah, it would. Sometimes we all hang out and get dinner. Anyway, Brian Eno released um, an album a long time ago called Another Green World. Yes. And it has a song on it called uh, The Big Ship. Mm. Is it The Big Ship or A Big Ship? I, I don't know. I don't know the name of a single Brian Eno song, but I own many of his records. It's a. I think it's called The Big Ship. Um, I can easily just check that because... I should be able to check it, but I did not write it down. And it'll always get you. The Big Ship um, is on the Brian Eno album, Another Green World. It's the only song on that album that has the word big or ship in it, to my knowledge. Uh, (laughs) So it's probably pretty easy to find. In any case, I I really like this song. It's about like a three-minute song. It's There's no vocals like a lot of the best Brian Eno stuff. Um, It's very textural. And I love it. I always wished it were a little bit longer. And so one day I went on YouTube and I found somebody who'd strung it together into a six minute piece. So it's just like repeats. And then I was like, well, what else could somebody do with Brian Eno's The Big Ship? And I found another YouTube video that's called The Big Ship 800% Slower. I love 800% Slower videos. And it is, it's now goes from being a like three minute song to being a 14 minute song. Yeah. And it is, it it's so beautiful. Yes, I I absolutely adore it, and I I listen to it often when I'm walking to work in the morning, and I'm walking down downtown Chicago, like past Merchandise Mart over the river, and it is just it is um yeah, it's really it feels really good. So check that out. I can't give credit to the YouTube person for two reasons: one, because they're breaking copyrights by fucking around with Brian Eno's music, probably it's artistic I license. Care. I think probably. Um, but thank you, whoever made that for putting it up there. Uh, and all two of you listeners out there, one of whom is probably not my mom, thankfully. Yeah. Um, no, cause it's my mom. Is, is, does your mom listen to the this? other one is my mom. Oh, okay. Your anyway, mom listens to this. I don't, I don't actually know if my mother listens to this. Hi. Hi. Uh, hi Bob's mom. Hello mom. Um, so that's awesome. And honestly, uh, I would like to say that walking to work across the Chicago river is my, my pick of the week every week. Cause I, I, there's Great something cultural so strange experience. about how much I love walking to work in the morning. It, I mean, also I just love living in Chicago cause Chicago's the best. Yeah. Rep Chicago. It's so sure. good. I'm I, hoping that we can do some more Chicago centric stuff actually in future episodes of zero stars. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, so my thing very quickly is also music related. Uh, went to a festival this week that had some taiko drums at it. So this was a squad of taiko drummers. This is, I don't know if they're actually a Japanese type of drum, but they're those big wooden barrel looking drums that you've seen people kind of assume that weird squatted stance and hit with the large wooden sticks. Yeah. Yeah. You know what taiko drums are. And this was a squad where they would do pretty intricate taiko drum compositions, uh, and play complex polyrhythms and then lock in and do things that were just everybody's playing the same thing so it looks awesome because everybody's synced up um very theatrical and at the same time extremely like punishing in its rhythmic intensity uh as somebody who loves metal i love this kind of stuff and i just think it's cool that throughout all of history there's always been somebody who's watching somebody else play a flute and then they go (laughs) I wish this was like way heavier though. And then they find a way to make the music way heavier. And then they find a way to vary the rhythms so that when the rhythms are discordant and kind of strange and difficult, you're a little bit at sea. And then there's going to be a part where we all lock in and you can headbang to it. So Taiko Drums, still awesome. Ties into video games because there is a game Taiko Drum Master. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, it's is that Japan only? Uh, I have actually played it in America, uh, but that arcade also had a typing of the dead machine, so it might not be extremely uh, common. That was an arcade, a pinball arcade in Austin, Texas, that I went to recently. Mm. Um, but uh, Taiko Drum Master is difficult as shit. I am terrible at it, but it is a game in which you, you know, it's just a rhythm game. Well, presumably it's just for masters. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I would That's love right to there see. In the name, I would be very curious to know if one of the very skilled Taiko drummers I saw today played it, if they could beat it, because I had basically no idea what was going on. <laughs> Walked up to one and been like, "Hey, 
Are you a you Taiko to, drum master? You ever been to Austin? <laughs> you play Typing of the Dead and or Taiko drum master? Uh, Do you God Hand? Hey, have you played God Hand? Um, okay, so that's our week. Uh, thank you for listening. We would love to get some feedback and or questions from you. Uh, and you can contact us at podcast at zerostars.co. That is a C-O. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to rate us or review us, um, whatever you're rating, we would not consider it a betrayal. Um, No, we will accept it. Be honest. Um, It's just like a loss in pyre. It's something that you you learn from, you grow from. It happens inevitably. Uh, But yeah, just like look us up on iTunes. Also, if you like listening to this, if you're our friend, tell a friend. Yeah, don't betray us. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. Bye.